This is the show with Cannon Brown. I just got done judging showmanship out here, and I had a young man that finished third to last in a class, and um, the only kid all day that asked me, what do I need to do to change? And that's the kind of attitude that I think um, we need to go into this. You know, there's um, one person in every barn wins. Exactly. So what are the rest of you not doing? That last few minutes might have been a little confusing. You'd like to know who I was talking to, wouldn't you? What's up, guys, and welcome to the show. I'm Cannon Brown, as always, and you are listening to The Joe Rogan Experience. Just kidding. I wish. Wouldn't it be awesome if I had that uh, audience base? They probably wouldn't like everything that I had to say or everything that we had to say, but I bet they'd listen. I mean, I bet if I just had the cult following that he has, he can say whatever he wants, basically, at this point. They don't even care. Uh, and that's why I like you guys, because I, I don't think I've been yelled at for anything that I've said. I don't think I've said anything too scandalous yet, uh, but you guys have been pretty cool about uh, the way that I talk and, and the storylines that I want to take, so appreciate that. Uh, quick shout out to you guys. Thank you. I've got a great guest for you guys today. Um, one of my best friends, one of my all-time best friends. I learned a lot from this guy, uh, good and bad. We were roommates at Casper College and Junior College for a semester. Uh, one of the best semesters ever because uh, Lucas Stalkup is on the podcast this week. He's a great friend, great mentor, and and. He's a heck of a, a mind when it comes to pigs and, and, and just lineages of hogs from all around the country. You'll see during the interview, he can just ramble on and on and on about different lineages and what they brought to the table and what they brought to his, his operation. It's pretty interesting, and that's why I like Lucas, and that's why I like Stolly. I'm going to call him Stolly, by the way. I'm going to say that again in the uh in the full interview but i'm gonna call him stolly so don't get confused so stolly's a heck of a mind and and he's graduated now from the university of wyoming he's a fantastic guy i'm very very excited for you guys to hear him speak we did this interview this past summer so it's it's a little dated we did it in like july of this past summer so that's when we were both judging at a county fair in idaho together which was just by coincidence, but it was a it was a really really good time. And actually, oh gosh, a past uh, uh, Brian Rogers, a past guest on the podcast, he was there too. Uh, and then Peyton Dahmer, shout out Peyton, we're gonna get you on the podcast soon enough. Don't worry. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy this. As always, I talk way too much. I think I kept this one down to like a minute thirty, two minutes. We'll see. You know what I? You know how I talk. Really quick before I give you the go-ahead to uh, go through it. You're probably just fast-forwarding through this anyway. Follow my social media accounts at The Show Pod on Facebook and Instagram and then on Twitter at The Show underscore pod. I would really appreciate it. Add me on Snapchat, Canon18. I don't care. Send me just random stuff. I don't care. I'm ready for it. Um, and send me some, uh, send me some of your opinions on the podcast. I- I'm open to criticism. Uh, or new ideas. All right, that's enough of me talking. Let's do it, Mr. Lucas Stalkup. You're safer here than any place else. Now just lock yourself in and keep quiet. Check, check. Oh yeah, she's listening. Well, 
I'm here with Lucas Stallcup, one of my really good friends uh, from Ashland, Montana. Um, I say really good friend, but he was also my roommate uh, for a time when we went to uh, Casper College together. He was a sophomore when I was a freshman, so we kind of uh, had a little bit of time with each other before he left to go on to senior college, and I stayed back to uh, finish out JUCO. Uh, say hello, Lucas. Uh, hello, everyone. Um, here we are in uh, beautiful Caldwell, Idaho. Yep. You know, Mr. Cannon Brown, judging the Canyon County Fair. Uh, but no, kind of uh, talking about the old Casper days and uh, uh, discussing, you know, rooming with Cannon and all the judging stuff that uh, we got up to while we were there. And, and it's the, the good old times. Uh, you know, we uh, made quite a few friends. We were actually in a wedding together, uh, what, a month ago? Yeah, about a month ago. It was a good time, yeah. So, um, uh, uh, Lucas, I'm going to call him Stolly in this uh, interview, guys, so uh, don't get confused if I say Stolly. Uh, his last name's Stalkup, so uh, we just kind of have a little nickname for him. I don't know where it came from, but uh, we, no all, yeah, we all just kind of call him Stolly, so if you hear me call him Stolly, uh, uh, don't be scared. That's just uh, kind of what I call him. So, Stolly's from uh, Ashland, Montana. Uh, let's talk about that. So you kind of you were homeschooled mm -hmm. uh, up until college. Uh, so actually, I went from first to sixth grade, and then we moved, and uh, then I was homeschooled, and then um, so I pretty much took the ACT and all that, and then went to junior college and and did that, and uh, that pretty it facilitated quite a bit of um, showing and and judging when I was younger, which. I was pretty fortunate. I don't know. It's just kind of a little bit yeah, different. I bet that uh, kind of opened you up to um, to be open to those jackpot shows. You mm -hmm. didn't have to go to school every day. You you got your education at home, and that kind of let you do what you wanted to do outside of it. Right. right. And it was um, more so it helped us. I mean, we showed you around, and, and it helped with just being able to, to do stuff and then breeding and farrowing season um, made life quite a bit easier um, just having, you know, extra people on hand to – to do that let's talk about that so growing up when did you guys start raising hogs uh so dad has been raising uh show pigs since about 92 and then at the same time we had oh about 1200 head of commercial sheep and then um we downsized on the sheep deal quite a bit and um picked up right now we've got about 25 cross sows and um that's kind of what we're we're shooting at having 20 to 30 and kind of maximizing that's kind of the sweet spot for us just just all scales wise all crossbreds yes no yes. peers we have one berkshire boar why no peers i uh for us it doesn't um we don't have a huge market for purebred hogs where we are uh, we don't separate shows down um into classing you know into divisions on peers or even classifying them uh, like they do anywhere else so it's kind of a money loser for us um i don't know we just kind of we don't mess with the purebred deal unless we bring it back on to outcross on sows yeah definitely and and that's a good point is uh kind of in, in the northern uh area northwest they've kind of just stuck to uh a weight breaking, they, them by yeah, breaking them by weights they don't really break them by breeds up here and and uh i say up here because we're in caldwell as as um, Stolly said earlier, we're here judging a show, so uh, we're kind of right in it, and we're seeing these kids, and we're seeing the shows, and 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 how they're kind of breaking classes and stuff like that. So, yeah, that kind of makes sense that you just kind of stick to crosses and 
And you got 25 of them, you said? Yeah, we've uh, just recently, we, we kind of up numbers on gilts, and uh, we're going to breed probably 25 to 30 this fall and kind of see how that goes. Uh, we're going to try some some different sink protocols and stuff on some some different batches of sows, see how it works, try some different semen from places, and, and just see what we can, uh, what maximizes um Disconception and stuff for us, and kind of decide what we want to go for with from there. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about um, you going to junior college for livestock judging because uh, I know that I never really thought of homeschool kids uh, um, livestock judging at all. I really didn't know a whole lot of uh, homeschool kids, but I assume it would be kind of hard to do just because you're not with a school, and I mean you might be with with a 4-H program, but you're not with a school to kind of help you out there. So. Tell me about that process, uh, kind of being recruited to Casper College and talking with the coaches there. Well, so I guess initially what helped that out quite a bit, um, I'd, uh, I finished, we showed at National Barrow Show quite a bit when I was growing up, and um, I finished in the top five at Barrow Show six years in a row. And so that was on the, in the 4-H side That's of things. That's a flex, by the way. That's a, it's a very aggressive flex, everyone. <laughs> and... Uh, so we, uh, you know, that helped quite a bit. Um, initially, I, I talked to Dan Hogue and, and to Jeremy Burkett at Casper. Those were uh, the two places that I was most interested in going to. And uh, for us, it was, well, I guess I should say for me, it was just easier. Um, Casper was a, a whole heck of a lot closer than, than Illinois. And then um, I will say, you know, um, I mean, I went through 4-H and whatnot. I mean, I'd judge contests just if I was there, but, um, I mean, I didn't have a coach until I went to junior college. So, I mean, that was a little bit of a, of a, um, I mean, it was a big change in, in how I went about doing things. And, you know, I would, um, I mean, there was some time that was spent just, just working on, um, you know, working some kinks out of stuff and all that. But I thought it was definitely worth the experience um i mean there's quite a bit to be learned and quite a bit of i think just responsibility and and whatnot that you can learn in junior college and especially if you you know apply yourself and and actually um i know quite a few kids that just pretty much went because everyone wanted to go judge and i mean if you don't want to do it you know i just you might as well just not do it yeah a lot of kids that quit and 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 backed out on it and I mean that's that's not what I was ever, um, you know. I figured if you're gonna do it, you might as well give it your all. Or, or I mean, we've both have been in situations of, you know. I mean, if it's not working out, you just need to, to just not waste anyone's time and and move along. Exactly, and I think you bring up a good point. And if you uh, <clears throat> if you don't want to do it, don't do it. If you if you don't want to put your whole heart into it. There's no reason of wasting money, wasting time in it. But I want to take it back to a, a previous point that you just brought up, and it was that uh, you didn't have a coach till uh, you got to college. And and I think we hear a lot of coaches these days say, uh, try to be coachable. You, you got to be coachable to uh, to be on a successful team. You got to listen to your coaches, do whatever they say, and and they'll get you through it. And and I've heard that um, people going into junior college or whatever team uh, that haven't had a coach before it's kind of easier for those junior college coaches to teach them their style. Uh, was that kind of the way that you went into it, or did you have kind of your way uh, I, I guess stuck with it? For me, um, where I had more issues is, I mean, we you know we showed quite a few hogs, and we did pretty well. And um, 
when I first, I mean, we're talking about, you know, five, six years ago when I went to junior college, uh, what was winning in the ring and what they were wanting to use in contests were um, not especially the same thing. We were going through a little bit of trend break in, in the industry, and so I was a little bit slower on the hog side of things. Um, I didn't grow up showing cattle, so I was relatively open um, to learning about cattle. Um, I mean, I'd been around some, and I'd I'd work for some guys and, and whatnot, but I'd never been just around a ton of them. Um, to me, the, the most important thing about being coachable, um, and I, you know, I help coach 4-H teams anymore, and I'll go, you know, listen at junior college contests and 4-H and FFA contests and, and that kind of stuff, and I'll, I'll travel around some with junior college teams. Um, to me, the biggest thing is, um, I mean, it, you have to have an open mind and understand that everyone in the program, no one in the program is trying to go into a contest to lose. And, I mean, fighting everyone over how something gets placed or what it gets cut, I mean, no one's trying to personally do something specifically to you. They're trying to get you ready for a contest. And, you know, if you think it's a four-point cut in the middle and they think it's a two, well, you know, what they're telling you is, you know, you're seeing the same thing. You just have to reprioritize what you're seeing. Um, and there's, I think there's quite a bit of, of value in um, just letting, you know, keeping an open mind and, and just, um, you know, I mean, everyone's got your opinion, but, you know, if everything goes well, you're going to be judging for four years. You can go have your opinion. Exactly. And I think it's really interesting that you said uh, you started you started that by saying um, when you first came into it, you uh, the hogs that you were showing and the hogs that were in the contest were uh, pretty different. And, and it, it kind of still is like that at most contests. Most contests that you go to, the hogs that you're showing in the ring that you think are are really, really good and they might win a, a show, they're not going to be the ones uh, uh, winning that class at the livestock judging contest. And to me, just to kind of to carry on that point, um, what one of the bigger issues that I've seen is, um, and I, I think what's starting to get rectified, especially on the hog side of things, is um, there for a little bit. I mean, I was pretty concerned. I mean, we'd had them things pretty big scaled and not, I didn't think with enough muscle. Well, you get kids showing hogs like that and winning shows, and they come into collegiate contests. You've got guys that are 35, 40 years old sitting on committees. They don't care how pretty one is. And, you know, you get a guy that cuts meat at Smithfield, he don't care. Yep. I mean, eat some pretty and eat some fat. See exactly. how see how full you get. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think uh, it's interesting because when I was uh, going through contests, I had to learn really quick that that was the case. That it wasn't mm -hmm. the same with the within the show ring as uh, in the contest. And I think one thing that I really learned and um, uh, brought to the forefront of my priorities when I was going through a contest was just square Safety. at the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, if, if you can find the widest one in there and make sure that they have enough power, that's us they're usually mm -hmm. going to be in the top pair. And if you kind of stick to that mindset, they'll, you'll be all right. I mean, that was, and I, I will say one of the harder things that um, to me when I first got there was just figuring out, I mean, good livestock's good livestock. It doesn't matter what species it is. I mean, if they're square and, and sound and good looking and have muscle and body shape, um, I mean, there's extras and all that that can get added on. Um, I will say that's something that last few years I've been a little bit um, 
a little bit off on the show industry is, I mean, we get all these things with all the bells and whistles and, uh, you know, they wouldn't make a good barrel. I mean, they're not sound enough to make a good barrel or, you know, a good bull and, or a good steer. And we're, you know, using them for next level because, you know, oh, well, that thing's going to throw them extra, extra stout and cool looking. Well, yeah, but you're going to sell a third of them. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think you bring up a good point. Structure is so important these days. Mm-hmm. So important. All species. Yeah, and you're going to hear, I mean, people have been preaching that for forever. And, and mainly in the past five years, it's kind of come to the forefront as, as structure as being a, a main priority. Before that, it was kind of just power. You're looking yeah. for power with it. Whether yeah, it be we swung or, a little too hard on that, on that pen, side of the pendulum. Well, how do you think uh, how do you think that affected the uh, in terms of hogs how do you think that affected the whole industry when when the show I know just in terms of show industry not the uh, right, production right, side right. but how do you think that affected it well I mean so I think where we are right now I'm uh, I'm actually relatively happy to where we have hogs um, I wish we had maybe just a shot more scale in some of them but um, I mean I would say the last three, four years ago, I mean, I didn't think they had quite enough muscle. Um, and the main concern I had with, with that whole deal is, um, I mean, when you get them that pretty and, and flat bodied, um, and just not enough, just true width. Um, I was having, I mean, we were having quite a bit of trouble in the farrowing barn, not necessarily pulling hogs, but, um, those sows had milked themselves down I mean, way hard, and we could never get them stuck five days later, and so you'd be 26 days. I mean, that's that's an extra month on you. And then I'd say before that, you know, back when I was um, really going after it, and I mean, they wanted those things little and boxy. I mean, that wasn't a good kind either. Um, I mean, they were too quick, and those things. I mean, if they were good, they were good, but there was a but they whole, were moderate. They were moderate, yep. and the ones that were bad were real bad. And had a tendency to get real fat and just done um, at 240. And if you've ever seen a hog cut with nine tenths of back fat at 250 pounds, that's not a good market animal. And so, I don't know. I, I liked. Um, we seem to go through three, three and a half year spurts of of what I would consider where we need to be, and then everyone wanting to change to something and back and forth. So, um, I think we just kind of got to find a. An even middle but I mean the, the thing is is we've got breeders out there they're always trying to push the limit well when you push the limit on stuff you're gonna I mean there's boards that change stuff quite a bit relatively quickly quickly when you when you get to using those and you put those boards out there like let's say you know I, I was a huge fan of visionary but uh, I mean I saw visionary when he was 250 pounds I didn't think he had enough muscle then and he got put on dang near every sow in the country. Pert near. And, I mean, I, I'm i not arguing with the fact that that boar won a ton of hog shows. Yeah, and was, I, I think he's an awesome boar. That was an incredible boar. But that boar had an issue in terms of muscle. And if he was not protected there, that's I think we had quite a few sows and, and boars running around um, behind livestock that were just didn't have just quite enough pry to them. And I think that... Um, kind of caused a little bit of I, I don't know if i'd call it an issue but you know that that little um three four year span where um we got hogs just a shot less dense than i particularly like them um i think dirty pulled us out of that um pretty quickly i think he was i would say him and 
and talking about Dirty Secret. Yes, yes, him and I would say um, probably Curtain Call. Um, more recently, um, have kind of pulled us back towards Hogs with a Shot, more pry and center body. Um, but I don't know. I, I think I'm, we're on the right track, though. I, I think we're on a good track. Um, I mean, to me, I don't know if if we're gonna have Hogs quite. I mean. I don't like using something that's, you know, show-wise or feeding-wise. It's not. I mean, the magic number for me was always 270. Um, I think they got to be between 260 and 280 to really, to really play. Um, and I don't know if some of these hogs are just gonna be. Um, like I just went through Laird's oh a month ago, and some of those boars I thought were tremendously, tremendously good. But there's some of them that I didn't know if they were. Um, either going to be too big scaled or too small to to really hit that sweet spot um i mean i know we've got a bunch of curtain call daughters on feed right now and um i will say that those they were um they were big little hogs and i thought they were going to be too big scaled and they've kind of hit a a plateau on frame um here about 250 and i think that's kind of where they're going to be which is good um i mean we've fed we fed a lot of stuff, and um, I mean that's kind of what we do is more of a lot of R and D stuff out, um, just using different bores and trying to find out what works. Um, I mean, there's some of that stuff that you know they've got to they got to have time and they got to mature. And I just have never been a real big believer in eight and nine month old pigs winning hog shows. Well, that was happening a lot about a year ago, two yep. years ago. That was happening quite a bit. You get them stout. <clears throat> Exactly. Yeah, if you can get them stout enough and they're eight or nine months old, they look pretty dang good. Yes. Yep. You had enough time to, to open up and, and get some stoutness to them. And, I mean, kudos to anyone that can feed that. I mean, that takes quite a bit of work with a bucket to get one um, shaped up and fresh eight or nine months old. I mean, I remember back when I was just – I mean, I started showing when I was four or five. And so probably when I was eight or nine when we were – I mean, it was the early 2000s. And we were showing seven-month-old hogs at 240 pounds and 22% protein. And rip you didn't, them up think, with you didn't think twice about it. God, no. No, you didn't think twice about it. it. Your goal was to get the heaviest muscled hog. Exactly. I mean, early 2000s, they were shallow and Oh, they hard. were not They were not shallow. They were They were hard. They were hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they were, weren't even shallow. They were just sucked up and hard. Yes. But they were stout. They were stout and they had a lot of muscle, super expressive. That was back in good old days when carrier hogs were the thing to have. And, uh, oh God, back in the good old days. Yeah, <laughs> back in the good old days when carrier hogs were the ones to have. Oh God. God, thank God we're not doing that anymore. I, I honestly don't know if I've seen, and maybe it's most of these boar studs don't test anymore. Or, I haven't seen that many carrier boars here recently. I haven't either, and I think I think, I think it, just, it just has to do with shape. It, I think it does, honestly, and it has to do with that. And then people. I dang sure I haven't seen a positive boar in a stud. Well, people don't want them. No. No. No one wants a carrier. No one. No one. No one wants a positive. That's for no sure. No one wants a positive. You positive don't want a don't positive. Give you yeah. You're not gonna get a positive in a boar stud. I don't think you're gonna find one. No. I mean, I'm sure someone has one somewhere for some. I mean. <sighs> It was back, I don't know if you remember Crossbow and Addiction, they would have been half-sibs to Fatal and um, that Mark Long raised. And Crossbow, which was one of the more influential sires 
um, there for a long time. Um, it, addiction was his brother, and addiction was a positive. And I had people. He was. At, they were both at Lean Value, and um, I had those guys told me. You know, back. I mean, Lean Value used to be rocking and rolling, and those guys back there told me that that boar was tremendously better than his brother, but they couldn't get anyone to buy semen on him. Yeah. And so that kind of, um, that kind of shot that deal. But no, crossbow was, God, that boar was real influential. I mean, on the, on the dark cross thing for fixing, fixing structure that, I mean, he fixed quite a bit, um, kind of fixed fatal in terms of hawk set and, and blade and, uh, gave him a shot more body. That boar was really nice. Well, uh, now you guys know why I have uh, old Lucas Stalk up on the podcast, because he can talk for days about hogs and boars and everything like that. He might not have the biggest name in the industry, but he sure is knowledgeable about about what he's saying and, and what he's uh, kind of putting out there in terms of boars and, and what he thinks of uh, how the industry is going. But you didn't always show hogs. You kind of had some sheep, didn't you, for a little bit? Yeah, we um, so we used to ha- run quite a few commercial sheep, but uh, there for a while we were... I showed some um, some pretty nice lambs, uh, varying times uh, in my show career. Um, I mean, we had a sheep go down, and, and we made the sale at Denver one year, and um, had a sheep place at our state fair relatively high a couple years. Um, I actually started showing sheep. I um, uh, in 4-H, my mom was uh, real big in the show sheep deal, and so she wanted to um, she wanted to to show some and we did that quite a bit and um we had a i mean i I enjoy the sheep deal uh to me there's and you know you hear this everywhere and um i i just i i give a lot of credit to people who show more than one species um to me there's quite a bit of work to get one species done right it's hard to do and we just decided that we were going to do one species really really well and so that's what we did yeah, I, I commend anybody that that can show uh, two species, two species, three species, four, I mean, four species. <laughs> and, but it's always uh, the kids that are showing two or three or four. They're always doing it at, at an elite level. Yes, they're always they always have the best and, dog. They're doing good, and I never know how they get it done. And it's ne- uh, well, I can assure you, it's not a thirteen-year-old one person doing it exactly yeah you're right you got to have i mean there's got to be it takes parental tribe. backing yeah, takes... and and people helping and all that and um i mean that's we've got a family showing hogs for us in in southern wyoming right now that um you know they've got eight hogs on feed and five lambs and four goats and um mom and dad work and you know i go over there and those boys i mean they're out there all day and I, that's what i was you know I mean, I was telling their dad, I was like, you know, it's a good thing that, I mean, if one of those kids didn't want to do anything, they would be, I mean, it wouldn't work. Yeah. But, no, um, I don't know. I, I commend anyone that decides that, you know, four species. I mean, I know people that are, do four species or at least, you know, two or three. And, you know, kids are playing baseball all summer and, and going to livestock judging camps and, contests and this and that and you know ffa camps and um i mean that's it's a lot of time and and commitment to uh to do it i mean we were always uh we more so just um i mean we jackpotted a lot um in the summer and and kind of i mean we'd go from farrowing into jackpotting hogs and then into breeding hogs i mean that's 
that's what I did in the summer and well pretty much all year long and you know years that we took stuff for Phoenix and Denver um that was you know that was um I mean get on stuff in the winter and and work it I couldn't imagine I mean I know people that they've got 10 15 steers sitting in a cooler and all year long and they're just constantly rotating them and that's it's a lot of time and commitment it's hard work it's hard work um costs some money and uh but you know that's what they want to do that's what that's their hobby that's their hobby that's their hobby they want to raise they want to raise livestock and they want to raise good livestock and they want to win yes they they don't show up to lose they don't show up to lose that's for sure but i i think that uh that goes with anybody right i mean anybody even a even a local 4-h kid that that has spent two days with this hog for the Mm. seven months that he's had it six months that he's had it he still wants to win right everybody wants to win it's just about did you put in the effort did you put in the time to actually get the banner i I mean everyone says that it's you know there's a huge proportion of this that's luck and you know i i think i mean the majority of your luck is getting lucky you know you make your own luck and if i personally believe 70 75 percent of winning the show happens well well before it and probably 20 percent of it happens in the two weeks before it and five percent of winning a show happens at the show exactly i would have to agree with you 100 percent with that that's um, that's for sure it all it takes work at home for sure it takes someone sitting back even two three years ago breeding on one yep. and getting it right on getting their mom bred or you know deciding that's the one they're going to use and that's the cross that they're going to use and you know i mean it takes you know whether you're going or you've got someone that goes and gets livestock for you to go and and get them i mean it takes quite a bit of luck for them to go you know get that that steer or lamb or goat or hog and get it to you and for you to go yeah that's the one we want i mean we have enough kids come through and we do quite a bit of business private treaty just because it's a little bit easier for us and and we like just the interaction with people um it's a little bit easier you know just just getting people in and out but um we'll have families come in and you'll say yeah you know this is our budget you know they want to spend 200 to 400 dollars on a barrel which i mean you know that's that's attainable but you're not i mean you know we try and think that you know our top ends um can play and we price it accordingly and um it's hard to it's hard to get somebody, it's hard to get a real good barrel for 400 it's hard to get a barrel for 400 bucks and it's sad nowadays that that is the case that's the that case it, that I, I, that's, that's, that's the case it, it's hard to get a barrel or a good barrel or good guilt or or whatever you want for a cheap price nowadays right. that's just it's how just, it's going to be that's inflation that's what it is right and and i think part of that is you know i mean if you are out there sitting there trying to figure out you know i mean if i wanted to truly market market hogs I know enough people that photog- that can show up and take pictures, and we can picture hogs for two, three days, and I can post them online, and I can let the market dictate across the country. Exactly. And, you know, there's some people that, I mean, you can go on online sales all spring long. I bet you, you can go from March till June looking at hogs on, on online sales and go, wow, I don't think that's worth that much. But guess what? Two people did exactly and that's what it sold for yeah but no i uh um to kind of get back to what i was saying we get kids they show up and 
you know, they want to know, and it's like, well, you know, um, I, I remember this pretty vividly. We had a, a young man show up, and we told him, take that blue barrel. He'll feed out really well. Um, his mother had once, she'd been reserve at State Fair for us, and her mother had been um, a division winner two years before that or, or something like along those lines. And, you know, we knew how those hogs fed real well. And um, he didn't want that one. He wanted a real burly stout one with a lot of muscle when he was little. So that's when we sold him for 250 bucks. Well, the blue hog ends up winning our, the barrel that he didn't take wins our state fair. Yeah. And he finishes sixth or seventh in class. And he came up and wanted to know, you know, where that one was or how much that one cost. And I was like, that's that's the one I wanted to send you. Yeah. Like, you know, but we got it to a family that they came and bought six or seven head. And we threw that one in for free. And it turned out in the long run that was the best one. Because, and I truly believe it's because he never went to a dang jackpot in his life. That happens quite he often. Sat at home and ate and didn't go off feed. And exactly. Showed up. I think he went. I think he went to their county fair, and won a division. And two weeks later, went to their state fair. And, um, I mean, it was, you know, fresh and not wrung out, and didn't know that he was supposed to be, you know, going off feed like the rest of them do. This just in: uh, Lucas Stalkup says jackpots are ruining the county fairs across the country. So. Yeah, that's that's what I was getting at. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, you could go on forever about this, but I, I want to get back to uh, kind of your story. So I want to I want to get back, and you judged at Casper, had a little stint at uh, um, South, South Dakota, Dakota State, State University, uh, really good university in its own right, just wasn't yep. for you. Uh, and then you found yourself at uh, the University of Wyoming. Tell me about your experience there, and then your your experience judging uh, for Caleb Boardman there. Uh, well, I'd say, I mean, the experience at Laramie was good for me. Um, kind of got back and, um, you know, I transferred into there. And um, more than anything, it was a, a good chance for me to kind of get um, get my life together and, and get, you know, academics and everything lined up and figure out. I mean, um, you know, there's, there's quite a bit of balance between going to school and judging livestock. And if you've got livestock at home, you know, that's. Um, I mean, you've got to stay, I mean, you've got to balance all that stuff. And, you know, there's quite a few kids that do it well. And there's quite a few kids that I don't think do very well at, at balancing that. Um, but for me, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the University of Wyoming. Um, you know, there was, uh, I, you know, I mean, I, I ended up getting two degrees out of there and um, had a good time doing it and um, ended up graduating with a significantly better GPA than I think anyone, including myself, expected. Um, but no, I, I would say, you know, obviously, I mean, uh, and I tell people this, and, you know, it doesn't make me sound particularly humble, but, um, you know, I went to, to junior college and senior college both to judge livestock. I didn't go, um, I didn't go to get an education. Um, I, um, I mean, I could have sat at home and got an education and raised hogs or I could have gone to the Midwest and worked for people. Um, I went to judge livestock to go judge shows. And, um, I mean, I, I, at that point when I transferred from South Dakota state, um, I was looking at either Western or, or the university of Wyoming, kind of similar to what we talked, you know, Wyoming's a lot closer than Illinois. And, um, so that's kind of where I stuck, but, um, no, I, I would say, you know, um, 
yeah, it took me a little bit to kind of get back to, you know, I hadn't marked it in a contest for a fair bit, but we, uh, you know, I was on a, a very competitive team at the University of Wyoming um, up until this year, this current team, which is doing uh, particularly well, um, extra flex on the UW kids. Yeah, exactly. Um we were but before before that before that we were yeah uh, before that UW wasn't really heard of until your team uh, our team did not finish out of the top ten I think we were top six at most every contest um, that team was uh, pretty fun to be on um, I mean we had kids I think myself included we had three kids land in the top twenty at Louisville um, and we I mean we had a good day at Louisville. Um, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, for me, it was extremely good. I had a, you know, my head coach being Caleb Boardman and assistant coach Colby Hales were both um, extremely knowledgeable um, on the sheep side of things. And um, that was something that I'd been out of for a little bit. And um, I, I thought that was definitely helpful. And then, I mean, we, uh, you know, from a reason standpoint, we were um, as uh, there were some kids on that that have been some of the more creative kids that I've ever judged with um, just in terms of figuring stuff out and how to word things and, and how to put together um, phrases and turns of phrase that were um, very good. But, uh, no, um, I, I would, you know, the University of Wyoming treated me fine. Um, you know, I graduated out of there as close to on time as was really possible for me. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> just, it was a it's a long go we shouldn't even discuss my yeah, my right. attempt at the uh the attempt at meat judging at the university of wyoming that was a good time oh uh, i bet it was god i hate coolers yeah, they're cold <laughs> they are cold they are they're cold that's why chilly. they call them coolers yeah exactly but uh no no uh university of wyoming treated me fine um and uh i don't know i mean besides that um I think it's uh, I think it's interesting that you brought up the point where you went to college just to judge, and uh, mm -hmm. I would have to agree with you. I went to junior college. I really wasn't planning on going to college after high school. I was planning on just getting kind of a trade job and making some money out of high school because that's kind of what suited me. I just wanted to make money right out of high school mm -hmm. and live a good life, but as soon as I got a scholarship to judge livestock, I was like, all right, that's what I'm doing, and, and I, it was the same deal. I didn't really want to go to school I went to right, school to right. judge livestock and and my grades showed that at, at Casper College and and my judge uh, my judging coaches there at Casper <laughs> College can attest to that 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 uh, they kind of suffered just because I I didn't want to go to class I just wanted to judge so um, I think it's a valid point and I think there's more people than just you and me that actually do that in, in school too I, I think there's quite a bit of people and I don't even think I mean judging livestock or or you know you want to go play football or anything that you want to do I mean it's kind of like we were talking about earlier you know if you don't want to do something I mean there are people getting paid like let's take livestock judging for instance because we're both you know that's what we're familiar with and I assume most of your listeners are um, you've got you know more you know every every school you've got a head coach he's getting paid or he or she and they've got a family they probably don't want to be there all the time. And you probably got at least one assistant coach who, you know, depending on their age, they've either got a family or they want to be going and, you know, doing something else or, you know, whatnot. I mean, 
no one wants to put up with someone that doesn't want to be there or doesn't want to be coachable. Um, that's, I think, is a pretty important concept. And, you know, there's quite a few kids that um, I see that they just, you know, well, I've been fitting cattle for six years, and I'm going to go judging junior college because that's where all my friends are and I can make all these connections. I would argue that if you want to wander around, you know, if you're – if you're with someone that's, you know, fitting cattle or jocking hogs or, you know, you're trailing around after sheep all across, you know, the country, if they'll pay you to go around with them and they are legitimately know what they're doing, you're going to make a lot more connections faster. Um, what you're not going to get is a degree. Exactly. And you're not going to, pro- you're going to be relying on doing whatever, you know. I mean, if you think you can make, you know, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year um, trading hogs and make a decent living. Uh, good on you because I haven't. Yeah. And um, we've been at it a fair amount of time. So. Yeah, I think that's pretty important that you just said that. That uh, you know, if you can, if you can make a decent living, yeah. I mean, go ahead. But if you want to get a degree, mm-hmm. get a degree for sure because that living, fitting hog or fitting cattle. Jocking hogs, running around with sheep, goats—that's not going to last forever. You, nope. you can't—you can't be a fitter forever. And it doesn't matter who tells you different. There's about—I would say there's a handful of people that have been a fitter their whole lives, and they've made, right. made a living at it, and they're—they're they're the best in the yes. country at it, and—and and they deserve. That's what to they get, do. Yeah, they—they they deserve to get paid what they do. But there's a lot of kids that are just saying, "Oh yeah, I just want to fit cattle for." 10 plus years and just make a living off it and it's not very viable and then you go and work in a feedlot when you're done with that and that's that's kind of your i mean you've got to have something past past your your time there um the other thing i mean to me you know there's i I don't know how many just um guys that i would say are just you know elite you know breeders or fitters or anything um I mean, if you're not established with someone, you're not just walking into their barn, yeah, and being exactly. the guy. Exactly. I mean, that's going to take a while. You got to know somebody for a while. You have to make that connection, like you were saying earlier. You have to make that connection, and then, and then further down the road, you could make further other connections. Right. But you have to have that connection there for a while before you can actually be a top guy in in, in a firm for sure. Right. Right. I mean, that's. You know, and you look at some of these bigger operations, you know, they've had guys that have been there 20, 30 years. I mean, they're, you know, that's that's what they do. I mean, they they help with all the decisions. There's some of those decisions that are theirs. You know, they let them make the choices on, on some things. And, you know, you go other places, and, I mean, I know several guys back in the Midwest that they've got college kids working for them. And those college kids go out and they shovel manure and they clean pens and they go back to junior college and they don't let them breed sows. They don't let them collect boars. They don't let them jock on hogs. So, I mean, there, there's kind of a lot of give and take on some of that stuff as well. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and like, especially where our part of the world, when we were going to, to Casper, you know, and even I can say down in Laramie, Wyoming, um, you know, those two places are not exactly metropolitan areas for livestock. And if you wanted to work on livestock in Casper, Wyoming, you had about three places. Yep. And in Laramie, you had about two. So, 
you know, that's why I think there's some benefit in some of those other schools and and some of the other stuff going on around them is, you know, there's there's some places that have become um, kind of havens for where good livestock's raised around, and um, I don't think it's very coincidental that most of them happen to be around successful judging programs. Yeah. And um, Blackhawk, yeah, Butler, Blackhawk, Butler. Yeah, you go around Stillwater, Ames, Brookings, Lubbock, Fort Collins has got, I mean, I would argue, and I think there's, if you draw a 50-mile circle around Fort Collins, Colorado, you will not find better sheep. Um, You're going to have to drive a a long ways to find, you know, 50-mile circle sheep as good as you can find in Fort Collins, Colorado. I mean, there's Mark Overman and Jason Simpson. I mean, those guys have done a tremendously good job. Uh, You know, Jace Hickey's right in there. I mean, there's there's so many guys brad anderson i mean they just won um goats with one they raised at weld um i mean those guys they all just do a tremendously good job um i mean and it's mostly because there's quite a bit of um i mean the markets the market's there for those guys oh yeah i mean you can you know you can private treaty i mean like i know for sure that there's guys down there they've put private treaty prices on everything and 750 is the lowest one and they sell every weather in the barn i mean that's good money you sell 100 of them like that and you're not having to work that's really good money yeah let's talk about you judging so uh you're you're out of college now and you're kind of on your own uh raising hogs like you said earlier and you're kind of judging shows let's talk about that what do you kind of get out of it because I know what I get out of judging. I want to know what kind of you get out of judging and judging these shows. Tell me how you feel about it. Well, I guess for me, there's there's a couple. I mean, um, I mean, it's something I've always wanted to do. I enjoy going to livestock shows. I enjoy looking at good livestock. Um, I don't go to shows to go and drink beer. Um, I go to go look at livestock. And I go look to see if I need to buy anything or what kind of breeding decisions I need to make or or what you know the industry could be doing or you know even if it's just you know in my area um you know what's competitive and and what's winning and you know who's winning and getting that kind of um general information but more so for for you know judging shows um i think there's quite a bit of um i mean there's there's a lot of people that helped me out when i was younger and there was quite a few judges that um definitely made a a mark on me when I was younger and and just some of the things you know some of the ways they did things and and you know how you present yourself and and all that I think there's quite a bit of of mentorship and looking up to people and helping kids um you know and and you hear you know we're not raising livestock we're raising kids and you know there's some people that you know want to poo-poo on that and say that that's just can and all that I mean it's true um you know to a point but you know the other the other thing to me is um, I think it's extremely important for um, kids that want to be competitive in something to get some feedback that is um, constructive and educational. Um, and, you know, if you show up and, you know, you're, you know, I had this, um, I just got done judging showmanship out here, and I had a young man that finished third to last in a class, and um, the only kid all day that asked me what do I need to do to change and that's the kind of attitude that I think um, we need to go into this you know there's um, one person in every barn wins exactly so what are the rest of you not doing and 
you know, this may be getting on a little bit of a soapbox, but I hate going to a show and there's a barn full of martyrs because, oh, well, we didn't, you know, do this. And, well, you know, that judge, she just likes so-and-so or, you know, oh, well, they went to, you know, I show up in Judge Your County Fair down in, in Arizona. And, oh, well, they were roommates at Casper or something. You know, I, I hear a lot of that stuff and it just, it drives me up a wall. It does. I, I mean, I can tell you I can go to any county fair in the country and I can show up and there will be two families that care. For sure two families that care and every other family will hate them. And they'll have been accused of cheating, paying off judges, using steroids, whatever. It's not. It's because they work harder than you. Yeah, that politics deal, it's... It, it's it get, happens. It's get, it happens. It's getting out of hand and it does happen. But it ain't happening at your county fair. It's not happening at your <laughs> county fair. It's really not. And and as much as people think that it's happening at your county fair, it you you got to have some evidence to actually say right. that it's happening at your county fair. Now, if you're buying hogs from someone and their herdsman shows up and judges the dang thing, okay. That's that's a a perfectly fine case. I mean, I know people that they won't sell hogs into places that they judge. Yeah. And, you know, it's a little bit harder on us. I mean, we we sell quite a few hogs into Wyoming, and, you know, I get a county fair calling me up. It's like, well, I need to check around. Like, I need to see if I've got anything down there. Yeah. Because I don't – I personally don't want to show up to a county fair and have one of my hogs there because, I mean, honestly, if I use it to win, I look bad. I look really bad. If I don't use him – to win i got a family that's mad at me and so either get to look like a fool or i lose a customer and so that's um and usually i just end up putting them where i think they need to go and you know it gets uh, it's just not a situation i think some of these shows need to be a little bit more conscious of you know the positions that they kind of put judges into um because you know i understand getting people local and all that and you know, I'm a big supporter of, you know, if I can't take stuff, I'll call up, you know, and I, I help organize some shows as well. I'll, I'll call up some, you know, kids that I know are, you know, going through senior college or just finished junior college that I know will do a nice job and, you know, I'll send them to do it. But, um, I mean, I turn down pretty much every show in my state because I still know kids up there. Yeah. And I turn down a lot of shows in Wyoming because, you know, I – help like i was talking i help with a lot of judging contests and camps and whatnot and you get some kid that you know thinks he knows you and you know starts talking to you and this and that and it's like well you know i mean you gotta it, there's just you know there there is a, a perception of of how things happen at some of these smaller shows that um is just not true now i'm not saying that stuff doesn't happen at a national level and you know that's you know I I don't have any room. We don't need to go into that. I don't I don't need to I don't need to be you know that's yeah. not my my not my position to talk. But um, you know there's I mean um, I've had I've had the same thing happen. Right. I mean I work for uh, Next Level Livestock Camps mm-hmm. and we do a we do a bunch of camps across the country. Or, well, or, you and I were talking today after hog showmanship and you're like, oh well, who'd you use? And I told you and you're like, oh yeah, she's really good. I came up and judged. Or came up and did a camp and 
like she black gets it done. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we do a bunch of camps in northwest, uh, uh, U.S. northwest of the country, and and I've been asked to judge quite a few shows up here because of that. Because of that, because I've made connections, and and when I'm coming to these shows, I see the kids that are have come through next level, and it's hard for me because I'm trying to go through showmanship, um, and I'm going it through it unbiased. Mm-hmm. But these kids are coming through camps and they're learning things and they're, and they're learning. They're doing what you want. They're doing what I want, exactly. And I'm picking these kids because they are the best. But then I can't help but think in the back of my mind that people are saying, oh, he just picked that person because they came through the camp. Right. They gave well, him 150 no, it, bucks to go to a camp. It, well, it's not 150 bucks. It's a little more expensive than that. But, oh, right, right. But – I, I can't I, I can't tell those people that are just saying that in the back of the stands that No, they don't know. Yeah, that that they're the best ones. No. It, it's hard. It's really hard. I, I mean you're gonna someone's mom or grandma is gonna be mad at you regardless of what you do. Exactly. You're never gonna make everybody happy nope. at a show. No. Nope. You're gonna make one person real happy. Yeah. That's and, true. And that's about it. That's true. And you know, there's other people. I mean, today I had a, a kid that you know, he did, a, I mean, an awesome job showing a barrow and, and got him stuck, but um, he didn't, I mean, he decided for whatever reason that he was not going to wash his front feet from his elbow down, and I put him fifth in class, and his dad, I thought, was going to have an aneurysm on the other side of the fence, and I was just like, it's a fair playing field, yeah. and everyone else washed their hands. Yeah, you you got to you got to do your due diligence for yes. sure. Do your job. <laughs> uh, before we wrap this up, I wanted to um, give you an option to give some inspirational quotes. I want to hear oh, some inspirational God. quotes from Lucas Stalkup to the uh, to the folks listening here. So, without further ado, here's oh wow, here's the knowledge of Lucas Stalkup. Gosh. I mean, this is way to put me on I, the spot. I do this to everybody. You do so, this. Yeah, you do I, this to everybody. I do this to everybody. I want. I want to know what you want to say to the viewers, to the listeners. I mean, I would say that you know, if it's if you think it's worth doing, um, you know, do it to your maximum. Don't sit there and and like we were talking about. You know, it's. I mean, this whole game isn't about making excuses. It's about results. So. Go out there and do it, and that means you got to be out there at 5.30 or 5. Go do it. Exactly. That's well put, short and sweet. I like it. Well, do uh, you have anything else to say? Oh, not really. I, mean, I know you do. I, I've always got lots to say, you know, but. We'll probably end it there. Yeah, that's fine. All that's right. Fine. Thanks, Dolly. All right. Bye. Thanks, Mr. Cannon. <laughs> time's limited, so you must listen carefully. What an interview. What do you say, guys? Uh, there, there's just chemistry all around me and me and old Stolly. He's a great guy. And I hope you guys enjoyed listening to him speak about his experience and his journey within the industry. Uh, like, like everybody's journey, it's, it's all unique. I like, I like how he was homeschooled for a little while. Cause I don't meet a lot of homeschool kids. And I really, really appreciate when I, when I hear a good story coming out of, out of that scenario, because I don't know many homeschool kids. I just assume it's all bad, and that—that's my bias, and it's probably a bad bias to have, but that's just how it goes on my end. So I hope you guys like that one. We're gonna have more episodes coming up. You guys know I'm just gonna keep releasing them. If you guys keep listening, even if you guys don't keep listening, I'm just gonna keep releasing them. But I have got some great, great guests for you guys coming up this month. Incredible 
A-plus guests that I'm excited to release to you guys. So stay tuned. Keep your hats on. Keep your pants on. Don't get too ambitious. Well, with life, get ambitious. But with the podcast, give me some time. All right? I love you guys. Bye.